Hello, good afternoon. My name is Sandra. I'm a compulsive eater and a food addict. And uh, there's been quite a bit of lead up to this for me. Um, just wanna make sure that I'm in alignment with my higher power at the moment, which is my goal. So um, there's a little bit of confusion, you know, it's a diversity panel. So am I speaking on diversity, experience, strength and hope? Is it diversity throughout the entire thing? There's a lot of things to think about diversity. This is kind of a strong time to be thinking about that. So I, I'm gonna, I'm hoping that what it is I have to say will help somebody to make their program stronger. I, my, I thrive to have a strong program so that I can have all these notes right here, but I, you know, my mind is blank anyway. So what it was like, I, I um, grew up in a pretty strict household and um, uh, a father who uh, was mostly absent, had some, some issues of his own. Um, I mean, even though he was slept here mostly every night, he still was emotionally absent. And I was very uh, unsupported emotionally as a child, very sensitive and um, had no idea uh, where my place was in life as the third of four children. And uh, so I learned how to lie in order to get by and, uh, you know, take uh, snacks that I was self-soothing by taking snacks out of the cabinet. And then when I was asked, did I take the snacks out? Of course, I said, no, I didn't. I learned how to take money to go buy snacks and self-soothe. And, um, I, I had no idea how to feed my body. I didn't learn how to do that. All I learned how to do was to feed my emotions and that really only meant sugar, flour and fat. Um, so I was pretty good at that. And um, I could never really understand. Uh, I always just thought I was just gonna, I was just chubby, you know, a little bit chubby, went to the chubby section downtown in San Francisco when I was a kid to buy the, the stouts, you know. And I, I never really understood that I could do anything about it. That's just how disconnected what I was with my emotion, with my body. I didn't really understand I could do anything about it. But I did know, um, I did feel that something was wrong. I was deeply unhappy. And I, I, could, I, could, I knew that something was not the way that it could be. So I, I uh, you know, I, I went through um, my years. I, so much of it is a, and so much unhappiness, so much of it is a blank to me and it has really no meaning. And so I can really only get to, I mean, I have the memories, but they really don't mean that much. I can get to where it is that I am now by saying that I got to here because um, of an, a workplace assault. And um, I wasn't able to go back to that place and ended, ended, and ended up in therapy and my therapist who, is familiar with the 12 steps is the one who asked me about whether or not I was happy with how much I weighed. Um, and because I wasn't really, even though I wasn't focusing on that, I wasn't, you know, I got to the end of the time right before that I was eating like two lunches a day, you know, because you could order lunch online. And so then I would get two of them from the same restaurant because I wasn't sure how it was going to taste. So if I didn't like one, I could eat the other, but of course, you know, I ate both. I, um, I eat snacks, I eat sugar, you know, I would drive up to the place where the pink box is and sit out in my car 
and eat it and then say, okay, well, I'm not going to take it home because I don't want to feed my family this garbage, but I was willing to feed it to myself. You know, that was the thing. I was willing to, to put gar- make, treat myself like a garbage can. So uh, having ended up um, in therapy, uh, I started going to, I, I was asked about, first I was like, yeah, but I'm not sure I want to like, attend any more meetings or the, the idea of actually weighing food was really foreign. I had a big time resistance to that, weighing my food every day. I, I didn't got no time for that. I got time for, I don't have time for that. I got time for other things. I don't have time for weighing my food all the time. But I didn't start going to the meetings because like I said before, I knew something was wrong. I knew that, that after going, I was going to therapy twice a week for this. I developed PTSD and anxiety and depression. And so I was going to therapy twice a week and um, it was clear that I needed something, that I needed some additional something that the therapist, uh, I didn't want to, she didn't need to be responsible for. And that's why I think she was suggesting the meetings. But the problem is because I grew up in such a, a really strict household, I could not take the strictness of this first meeting group that I was going to where you absolutely could not speak and you absolutely had to do actually all the things and you absolutely, I could not like handle that absolutely thing. It was too strict for me. But I did know that because I didn't know how to feed my body that I needed some structure. So uh, it was suggested to me that I go to an OA how meeting which is currently my program. And at the OA How meeting, I could speak on how I was feeling and I could learn how to uh, measure and weigh my food and how to eat in a way that was going to feed my body and so that I could be clear enough to hear the direction from my higher power. So, So I became willing. Oh, that's my phone. Sorry about that. So I became willing. Uh, I became willing because I was so miserable. I was so miserable that I had contemplating walking in front of the train in my local area. We have a train that runs through. And to me, to be miserable enough to contemplate walking in front of a train, but only not going because there are people in my life who love me and I would really hurt them. To me, it was... I didn't, I didn't consider it pretty severe at the time, but now that I have more recovery, I can think back on that and think how severe that is. So I, because I knew something was wrong, I became willing to be open. How is about honest openness and willingness. And I, be, I chose to be honest with myself. I chose to be honest with my therapist. I choose to be, not chose, I choose to be honest in my meetings. I choose to speak my truth and to speak my experience so that perhaps someone who is listening can hear what I'm saying. There was no way that I could just eat enough to feel full or try to monitor myself. I just didn't have that skill. And I, I, I definitely needed the structure. So when I was given a food plan, that is a way to measure food plan. I, I did rebel, but I, I started out by thinking about it first. I kind of eased into it, weighing just a vegetable, weighing just a protein, 
starting to think about what foods I would like to eat because I wasn't cooking at all either. So I had, you know, how was I going to season my food and all of these things that come into, oh, just throw your food out and just go buy this and just make this. It's more than just that. There's a, there's a planning, there's a understanding, there's a ciphering, I could call it ciphering, figuring it out, you know? So, um, but over time I, you know, I started integrating more of the plan. I uh, eventually got a, um, a sponsor, which was a very difficult thing uh, as a black woman to find uh, somebody in an all white meeting to be my sponsor. That was not something that was easy to do. And it ultimately worked out that another woman in the meeting who I had communicated with that I felt weird about asking people because I had definitely had time, difficult time with rejection, felt like there would be some rejection on their part. I, I had difficult time. Um, turns out I probably would have been the rejector. Uh, um, she put somebody on the spot in a meeting one time and said, hey, you know, um, are you available to sponsor? Such and Sandra needs a sponsor. And so put the woman on the spot at the moment, right? So later on, I told her, you know, I understand that you were put on the spot and you don't actually have to do this, but I really appreciate you meeting with me anyway. And it turns out that she became my sponsor and she still is my sponsor. And I absolutely am really uh, grateful to have her as a sponsor because she is a thinking person. She likes to think in numbers and science. And that's, that's kind of the kind of person that I am. And that helps me to kind of think around an object or think around a topic. So, um, you know, uh, after engaging in years of self-destructive behavior, I was over it. And I, I decided that I wanted to show up in my life and that helped me become willing to, to do what I needed to do because my life happens wherever I am. My sister told me one time ago when I was tired, I wanted to move because I wanted to change my life. She said, well, you know, wherever you go, there you are. So because my life happens wherever I am, I know I had already learned that I needed to deal with me. And so when I first went to the, the meeting, um, even though it's not the meeting I continue to go to, the promises attracted me. I would be able to handle situations which used to baffle me. I, as a people pleaser, I never knew what to say. I always was confused. And so people would misinterpret my silence for something else. And then I would be stuck there. And then they would, they would be stuck with that impression of me. And I would be stuck with that impression of myself. But the moment that I got off of the flour and sugar, there was a clarity that came to me that allowed me in a situation to say what I needed to say. That to me was a big deal. That was a miracle to me that I was able to defend myself the way that I needed to defend myself so that people wouldn't have this impression of me that was one that I did not put out. I want to be the one who puts out the impression of me. And by being silent, and not defending my character, I wasn't able to do that. So the promises are the thing that kept me coming back. Just keep, even to that meeting where I wasn't able to talk, the promises, I would volunteer to read the promises as many times as I could because the promises were the promises. I like the call and response. You know, are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work with them, the promises. Right. So at this point, I feel like, you know, I've been two years in a little, a little more than two years and 
it came up in a meeting the other day uh, out of a reading that whether or not the abstaining was getting old. You know, you get into your program and you start working it and then, oh, is this, this is like, you know, but yet it's getting old. Yes and no. Yes, it's all because I'm making the same foods and eating the same things I've been eating for two years of abstinence with some small changes, of course. But is my recovery getting old? No, I'm continuing to grow. Is my abstinence getting old? No, I'm continuing to experience physical recovery. You know, is my program getting old? No, because I'm, I'm experiencing emotional growth. You know, I'm living the happy, joyous, and free that I want to live. Is it always smooth? Absolutely not. I'm not asking for absolutely not. Always smooth. You know what I am asking for? I'm asking for that 11th step. That's my other joy is that 11th step to improve my conscious contact with my higher power, right? To know, to be able to hear, to, be, to have the, the, this craziness silenced enough that I can hear what I'm supposed to be doing. So I do my part. And I follow the path that I'm supposed to follow, right? And my higher power, who wants the best for me? It's not something outside of me, right? My higher power is the higher power. It is the universe. It is the life energy, the life force. And as long as I do my part, my higher power will help me to get where I want to go. That's a big deal, right? It's not this other thing. I, I went to Fundamental Baptist Church a long time. I couldn't get with that, right? It's not this other thing. This thing, I am a part of the energy that is life. The God of the universe is the God that resides in me as well, right? My higher power. So if I recognize that and I do my part and I make the decisions I need to make that keeps me aligned with my higher power, regardless of whether I like it or not, right? That's the thing. I got to be patient and allow it to happen. I have to be uh, not worry that it's not going to work out. I have to be willing to wait for an answer sometime because it doesn't always work out. But my job is not to be thinking trip tripping in the future. My job is not to be worrying in the past. My job is to stay right here at this moment and do whatever action is next. And then whatever action is next to feed my temple. My form of prayer, my prayer and meditation is to feed my body well, is to do my writing, is to communicate with my sponsor, is to go to my meetings, right? Feed my temple well so that I'm clear, so that I can hear my higher power. My weighed and measured meal, that scale is my life. I have to do it. Otherwise, I'm walking in front of the rail, in front of the, the train at the railroad tracks. I, I mean, there really is no option for me. I was so deeply unhappy. I don't want to be deeply unhappy. I don't think any of us wants to be deeply unhappy. So I participate in my recovery. I'm active. Five minutes. Thank you. I do what I'm supposed to do. I take care of my part. I go to the meeting. I go to the meeting regardless of whether or not it's five little old ladies or 150 ebony black folks. I go to the meeting, why? Because it's my recovery. I get, I, the, one of the best things I ever heard was, get what you want and leave the rest. 
right? And if somebody's at the meeting that I don't like and they're saying something that I don't like or they're wearing something, somebody was at a meeting one time wearing a uh, Assholes Matter hat right at that time. That's okay, I just don't go back. I find another meeting because it's my recovery, right? It's my life, my recovery. I got to take care of Sandra. There's nothing else I can do about that. If people are going to behave the way they want to behave in the meeting, what matters is how I behave. I, I choose to respond. I go to the meeting that supports me, where I feel supported, where I enjoy the people. And if I don't enjoy them and they, don't, they can't hear what I'm saying and they have a problem with what I'm saying, I don't go. Because why? This is my recovery. I can't make anybody else do anything they want to do. I, don't, I can't force anybody to include me. All I can do is include myself. Go there, get my information, listen, pick up the tidbits, apply the things that I need, get rid of the ones that I don't, and do my job, right? I listen for my direction for my higher power. I reflect on the meaning of that and I, be, and I remain willing to follow. That is my prayer, that is my life, that is my recovery and I pass. Thank you, Sandra. I felt like that was a word. So thank you so much um, for that. Next we have Ken and I'll pass it over to you. Uh, thank you. Um, all right. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, my name is Ken Flaviano. I'm a compulsive eater. I'm Filipino. I'm the son of immigrants. I'm from the Bay Area. Um, yeah, I'm thankful to be here. I probably want to start, I'm going to start where, uh, where I guess, <laughs> where, where I was like, oh man, I'm a compulsive eater. Uh, <laughs> I'm a food addict. Uh, so uh, I, I work in like the personal growth industry, you know, uh, doing a lot of different types of things. I was working with my friend and uh, she's a Filipina and uh, she, you know, we're making a plan like, oh, we're going to go ahead and, you know, uh, do this, you know, work out for our bodies, you know, work with our finances, da, 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 like all these different aspects of my life. And then uh, she asked me uh, a question and said, Ken, I, I see your whole entire list of things that you want to go and accomplish in your life. Uh, but I noticed that uh, you left out food. And uh, I, you know, I was like, I don't want to put food on my, my goals or my list of things I want to go ahead and do because I failed so much in my life around food. Uh, I've dieted uh, a lot. I've, uh, you know, cut out this, uh, exercise that, uh, just kept on doing that. And, uh, and I was like, I don't want to do this because I know I will fail. And you got to understand, like, there's not a lot of things I've failed at in my life. Um, I have a master's degree. I've uh, worked outdoor programs, um, did like 50 days in the wilderness. Um, you know, as far as like sports, played varsity, like a lot of different things uh, that I've accomplished in my life. Uh, a lot of things that I've worked every dream job that I've always wanted. And uh, this thing with food, I could not, uh, I, I couldn't do it. 
and I just started crying. Because um, I was like, what can I do? I, there's nothing else I could do. I, I've tried it all. <clears throat> so she said, um, you know, and I just remember uh, I got a vision at that time. I was already on my knees. And I remember saying the quote, God, I need your help. And I was given the vision. And the vision was me right here. And then um, around me was darkness, complete darkness. And, um, and I knew the darkness was addiction. It was the addiction. It was, it was bigger than me. I couldn't see any light. It was, uh, yeah, it was just bigger than me, more powerful than I am. And uh, when I got down on my knees, I said, God, I need your help. I saw uh, little lights uh, come from the dark clouds penetrating through, and I knew that was God. But uh, I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, and this is happening in my friend, she's there, she's there with me. And she says, you know, uh, she said, can I, I went to, um, yeah, there's something going on around food. And I was like, yeah, there's something going around food. You might want to go ahead and check out this meeting. It's over Eaters Anonymous. This, this happened on a Wednesday. Um, later on, I know that she went to the over Eaters Anonymous, but she went to that place and then she never came back. Um, so on that uh, Monday, that happened on a Wednesday, I was praying about it, looked up OA, took the survey on the online, and I was like, yep. I'm a compulsive eater. Uh, I was like, fuck. I'm sorry, but I don't want to. uh, It's like I'm stuck in a hard place. I don't want to go the direction I'm going. I need to do something different, but I don't want to go to a a meeting. (laughs) That's pretty much it. Because if I go to that meeting, that means I'm with a bunch of losers. And that means I'm a loser, too. So I went to uh, that Monday meeting, and I was like the last person to walk into the meeting. I was listening to the NBA finals during that time. And I saw other people going into that meeting. Uh, I walk, I finally walk in and I walk in like I, uh, I own the place. Like I know, you know, I, I do this uh, head nod, like, you know, <laughs> like I've been there for, I've been away for years. I know what's up, take a seat, you know. And then uh, someone shares, uh, they're doing, uh, you know, they're giving a talk and they share and they share about how like they went to OA, they left, they came back, uh, you know, just like they think that this is part of, I, like there's a lot of things that was there and then everybody had a chance to go ahead and share. And when it got to me, I just started crying and just started crying. I was like, I don't even know what to say. And then uh, they discovered, then it's like, Oh, he's new. <laughs> and they, you know, were able to get me a coin and all these different things. And I bought some literature. So uh, uh, on the way home, uh, I'm the type of uh, addict that uh, stuffs my feelings down. Uh, so I was definitely feeling my feelings at that meeting. And, uh, so I went to go, uh, eat a whole pizza <laughs> and I was like, well, this meeting doesn't work. Well, all right. Um, so I, I, uh, I started reading some literature and they said, when you start going to meetings, your stuff comes up because you're not, re- you know, lo- relying on the old things or, you know, you need to work on things. And, uh, so I, I knew, uh, I needed a sponsor cause I didn't know what I was doing. Like I had no idea. Um, I prayed, I closed my eyes, and I said, uh, uh, God, uh, uh, give me the vision of uh, who my sponsor should be. And uh, 
So I, I got some idea of who my sponsor was. I went to another meeting on that Saturday. Um, I saw her and uh, I asked her to be my sponsor. Uh, later on that day, uh, we went to a coffee shop and we were talking. She's letting me know like, hey, you got to do this, this, you know, buy this b- uh, big book, you know, guys start journaling, da, 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 da. And then uh, I tell her, uh, hey, uh, uh, I'm Filipino uh, uh, and I got to eat. Just letting you know. Um, and she said, uh, uh, I understand. Um, I'm also half black. Uh, she's black and white. Uh, she uh, she uh, looks white. I, I didn't know that she was black, half black. And then when she said that, I said, oh, good. So you get it. It's like, yeah, I get it. Uh, and it was just, it was a relief for me that there was another person of color in the room uh, who could get me on that level. Um, and then she also, um, I told her I'm going to a bachelor party next week. I'm kind of scared. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm okay with alcohol, but I don't know about that food. And, and she's like, ah, sometimes, uh, God has a fucked up sense of humor. And I was like, Oh, I love you. <laughs> I get you, you know, she gets me. Uh, she's been my, uh, sponsor ever since. Uh, to be able to go ahead and do that. Uh, that first year, uh, I was absent uh, for the first that that first year. The way I I see for this diversity panel uh, for me to speak on is getting to know a little bit about my history and uh, how uh, race uh, is a part. Um, I was I'm born Filipino. Uh, I was born Filipino before I was ever a uh, a compulsive eater. Um, I didn't know I was Filipino until kindergarten. Um, I I was uh, taking the bus. It was, uh, uh, I was taking a bus to go, to to go ahead and go to school. My mom waited for me and then dropped me off. And this is my first time uh, taking the bus. Uh, When I was taking the bus, uh, I could remember it clearly. I was, uh, uh, walking through, uh, walking to the back uh, seat, and then I, uh, a room, there was a room full of white kids, and uh, they, one boy said, hey, you're different, you're not from here, and, uh, and that is like looking at me, at, and I thought he wasn't talking to me, but he was, and then he says, you have a pig nose, and I didn't know how to react to it, and everybody all started uh, uh, looking at me. No one said anything, and he taunted me. Uh, I just headed to the back of the bus, and I was actually reflecting on that uh, the whole time. Uh, later on, um, I would do this. Try to mold my nose so that I don't have a flat nose uh, that I had. And then my mom, um, she was... Uh, you know, she was he's like, what are you doing? What's going on? And I told her, mom, I, I have a, a pig nose. And my mom knew what was going on. Uh, being the only uh, brown people, Filipinos in the area. And she pulled me aside. I didn't quite get it. But she said, 
You are the son of immigrants. We worked hard to get here. Be proud of who you are. Don't listen to them. And I, I didn't quite get it, but I knew there was something there. And, uh, you know, so I, I stopped doing that. That still affects me today. Like, I still think about that. I think about race every single day. My race is not an outside issue. I, this is not outside of me. This, my almond eyes, my skin, is not an outside issue. Because I think about it every day. I think about it twice as much every day when I go to OA meetings. I see it, who's in the room. It's sometimes it's like I'm walking into a bus. Uh, it's, it's very similar. It's that same feeling. Um, and this is not just, that's just one incident in my life. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's what I have to say uh, uh, about that. Um, I do remember my first, first year in OA, um, and please, I'm not anti, uh, I'm not anti-white. Uh, I found my recovery in spaces with lots of white people. Um, but it, things have, have impacted me. Uh, I remember going to a, a workshop you know, sponsor said, hey, you should go to this workshop, steps one, two, and three. And then, uh, so I, you know, I parked, it's at community center, I parked the car, and I'm, uh, I'm uh, you know, I walk in, and I'm walking through, and then there's a, uh, a basketball cart, so you got a lot of black and brown brothers out there. I walk in, and then uh, I see uh, side, there's like a r big room with African, uh, African dance going. I was like, ah, oh, sweet, you know, I'm going to check it out. I was like, oh, man, I'll go do this afterwards. And then uh, I, I go to the front desk, I ask where this room is at. Uh, she's Latina, and then I, uh, I, I go ahead, and it's one of those doors that have like a window through. I, I peer through the window, <laughs> and it's all white women, older white women. And I was like, I go back to the desk. I was like, is this the right room? And uh, she's like, yeah, that's the right room. I was like, oh, man. And I just like spent like 30 minutes in traffic. So I was like, I just got to go. I mean, I have to do this for recovery. Like, this is what I got. My sponsor said I should go. So I walk in, and I was like, Wow. Oh, it's like walking into the bus, you know, you know, I, uh, I don't know what's going to go ahead and happen and go down and things. And so I, I walk in and uh, there was one white male there. <laughs> he literally I was like, he introduced himself to, to me and things. Uh, and I go to the back and I just take a seat again. And uh, it was good, you know, it was a good workshop. But this is what stood out for me is um, if I'm the only, if the whole entire community is uh, black and brown people, and this is at a community center and it's all um, older white women. That means that OA is not serving the community. And I'm in the Bay Area. Uh, I've never met uh, until this year, another Asian uh, person in OA. I never uh, met another Filipina Filipino. Uh, for everyone, for, for me that has stayed, uh, I know of uh, three or four people who have left, who've gone to a meeting and have left. Um, so that means my people are dying. Um, that means my people are dying. And that's what stood out for me sitting in that room uh, full of older uh, white women um, that I was like, our communities are not being served, you know? So 
you know, that, that's what stood out. Later on, uh, so my first year, I was abstinent. Uh, my second year, I was uh, really taking care of my dad. Uh, I'm so thankful for OA because I was able to connect with my dad. I didn't have the, uh, you know, this disease in my head so that I could just let go of the resentments and the fears and uh, just be who my dad. April 8th, 2019, my dad passed away. No regrets, no, no regrets. I'm just so thankful to have this program to be able to just be present with him during that time. Uh, That's five minutes. He died from diabetes. My mom has diabetes. Uh, I'm determined uh, to not repeat the cycle, to break the cycle that my ancestors have had. Um, I also lost my abstinence uh, that year that he passed away. Um, I knew I needed to do something different. So I've built with higher power with my sponsor. Um, my sponsor said, uh, you're gonna go ahead and um, it's through service. That's, that's, that's what's changed. Um, this past May 21st uh, was my two years of abstinence. Um, I was like, to be a speaker, you gotta have two years absence. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I gotta come through, man, I gotta come through. Um, so this is my service. Um, one is last year, I, I volunteered for this convention. Uh, to, uh, it happened during the pandemic so that uh, we could be able to be of service uh, to, the, to the group, uh, help start a men's meeting because um, uh, there's not <laughs> men. All the fellows, and then also I just see the speakers. I'm like, oh my gosh, all the men, I, I, I see you, you know? Uh, we have our own uh, different issues about uh, stuffing our, our feelings. In. Um, I'm part of uh, starting the first uh, Asian Pacific Islander uh, OA meeting. That's uh, actually, uh, we have our, you know, we're up in the uh, focus meeting uh, to be able to go ahead and do that. And this also happened when there's Asian Pacific Islander hate crimes happening. Um, you know, to go ahead and, uh, my friend's mom was punched um, in our area. And uh, the first thing he said was, uh, protect your moms. So uh, really um, saving grace has uh, been part of the diversity community. And uh, we've been working on a, a survey, uh, we'll probably flash it later on. Um, and it's a, a diverse group and we talk about how uh, race, gender, sexuality, uh, ability status, um, racism, how it impacts our recovery, because it's a conversation, because uh, it does uh, impact uh, my recovery uh, and how I work with that. And uh, I'm very thankful uh, for this uh, diversity community to be able to serve a region too uh, in, in this way. So, you know, if you're having a, and just, this is a message just for folks. I, I hope that uh, if you feel ever uh, not included or not welcomed uh, because of maybe your race, gender, sexuality, uh, ability status, um, that 
uh, OA, there are people that there's a place for you. Uh, you know, um, it's, it can be overwhelming. It, it's, it's so weird. And I'm in the Bay area, like <laughs> where, you know, where's my, where's my folks at? And, uh, yeah, I just want to say that, uh, yeah, you, you, there is a welcome home and it could feel like welcome home to you. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, and tomorrow we, uh, we present, we put a survey together, uh, just to hear everybody's voices. And I've heard your voices. Uh, we've read every single response. Uh, we hear how, uh, sometimes it can be isolating, um, you know, being in, uh, OA, um, and uh, yeah, well, um, I would like to work uh, towards changing that uh, because the, the steps are awesome. It works, you know, it just maybe the message or how it relates to people is uh, a bit, you know, maybe there's different ways, you know, there's different ways. So uh, yeah, uh, let's, let me check if there's anything else. Uh, that's it. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ken Flaviano. And I I heard your message and it really, really touched me. So thank you so much. Um, and the last person who's going to be sharing is Luis F. Hi, everyone. Uh, sorry, my earbuds. Uh, my name's Luis, Luis, Luisito, Luigi whatever you want to call me. I am a compulsive overeater though. So grateful to be here. I want to thank everyone who's been involved uh, with, with this convention, with, with this meeting particular, to the moderators, interpreters, speakers, especially. Um, tough, tough acts to follow. Um, I wanted to start talking in Spanish to throw off the interpreters, but I, I decided not to. Um, I wanted to share some pictures, right? Because, you know, at at um at, at our, our core mess our core you know mission is to you know carry the message right and part of that message is is me showing you how this disease has affected my body so i i brought some pictures let me just share these with you real quick this is me at my highest weight 380 plus pounds right um if you if you're listening to the recording i just look like um it's like a big round head on top of a big round body just for the description. Um, I lost hundred pounds, alcohol was relieved, um, but I was still incredibly obese and still incredibly unhappy. I was living a life that, that like sort of like Ken described, you know, there's not much I couldn't do and wasn't doing, but I didn't experience any of it, right? I was just kind of getting through life. If you ask me what I did in those years, I really don't remember. Um, this picture here is my lowest weight, 175 pounds. I love watching people's faces when they see this picture because they're like, oh, good for him. That's, oh, that's good for him. But you know what? This, this is done on uh, pure self-will. This is done without a higher power. This is done with white knuckles. There's a God-sized hole in this man's chest. And there is a lot of crazy behind those eyes and in, those, in, that, in that head. Because when, when life gets hard, right? What, what happens, you know, food comes a knocking because like the big book says, I, I am a man who, when I have a headache, I pick up a hammer so I don't feel the ache. That's the level of, of insanity that I sit at. So this happens, right? I get up to 320 plus pounds. 
So let me show you last April. It was my natal birthday. Don't worry, I have a better duvet cover, I promise. This was just a temporary one. But here's a man who has neutrality around the food, um, has a higher power that one that I truly believe 110% has my back. Um, I love that I was asked to speak on diversity because it immediately took me to page 17 of the big book. We are people who normally would not mix, but there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness and an understanding, which is indescribably wonderful. And here's the honest to God truth. We're not people who would normally mix. I, I love and I'm so proud that I get to see so many different colored faces in this room today. Some of my best friends are white. But I love seeing you guys here too, because diversity is a conversation for everyone. Our joy and escape, continuing on that same page, our joy and escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement that binds us. Here we have 92 people from all kinds of backgrounds, nationalities, ethnicities, religions. And here we are participating in our recovery and wanting to know more about our fellow. When I first walked into these rooms, well, crawled, when I crawled into these rooms, you know, I had the same, not to, you know, cross talk with Ken, but yeah, I had the same thing. I, I crawled into these rooms and I was certain, I was like, oh, you know, look, I, I live in Los Angeles, a little okay area. You know, and I walk in, I'm like, I thought for sure this, this disease was only afflicted by, by uh, to, on me and uh, uh, white ladies. <laughs> Turns out not the case. Um, I have uh, just over five years of continuous abstinence by the grace of God and by working the steps as they're outlined in the big book. But before that, I was run, uh, self-will run riot, right? I threw my will at everything. There's no subtlety to the way I did life. You know? And when I wasn't like in fear, I was in anger. You know, when I wasn't in either one of those things, I was in isolation and in self-pity. Me giving service is not my default. Me doing this is not my default. It's only because of God that I can be here today and share this experience, strength, and hopefully hope. But for a long time, I, 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 I lived that way. And it was this very apartment <clears throat> five and a half years ago on New Year's Eve where I just wanted to die. Wanted to die. I wanted it to end. I was done. I'd reached my breaking point. And the thing with New Year's Eve was, is I, I took, you know, I want to put up the front, right? I want to take the Instagram photo, post it up. Everyone have a nice, you know, New Year's. Be safe. I took a, you know, the, the picture of the TV that had the Netflix fireplace 
you know, the one with extra crackle. That's my favorite. Look it up if you haven't if you haven't seen it. And something in the back of my mind told me to get some help. Something. I didn't know what the, I didn't have a language for it, right? I didn't know today I, I know that voice is my higher power, but I didn't know that at the time because I was born with a bunch of medical issues, right? And required tons of surgeries after surgery. And 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 for me, I I grew up you know, a certain religion. And for me, I had incredible resentment towards God. I said, you know what? Why the hell would God do this to me? Why would I need to go through incredible surgeries, you know, to just live and then give me the booze and then give me the food on top of that? And then you're trying to take the food away from me? What's the matter with you? So my best thinking took me to a therapist that had worked before. And it took two sessions for my therapist to look at me and say, Lewis, you are an addict with food. And it is the first time where someone had cut through my shield of BS and I was actually seen, fully seen. I was certain I was the only one. I was the only one that would pay for, for my binge food and cash so it wouldn't show up and, and my wife at the time wouldn't see it on the card, right? I was the only one that would throw something out and dig it back up later. I was the only one that ate in a disturbing way. She asked me if I was willing to, to go to something called Overeaters Anonymous. I said, no, thank you, because I'm still polite. Life had to beat me some more, right? Finally, I, I, I took enough of a beating and body blows from life where I called the number and I said, hey, you know, where's our meeting? They're like, great news, Lewis. There's a meeting two miles away from you. Oh, fantastic. Uh, uh, what, you know, when's it at? Oh, it's on a Sunday. Ugh. I like to go to Dunkin' Donuts on Sunday. Oh, it's football season. Well, what time's it at? 7.30 in the morning, click. Thanks for your help. The big book tells me that I had to be sometimes beaten into a state of reasonableness. Lewis had to be beaten into a state of reasonableness. I learned the hard way. And it's amazing for me as an addict, I am such a sponge for pain I lived my life 37 years just absorbing it all and then smiling and nodding, telling you I was fine. I finally crawled into that room. I saw this giant side that said, God is love. And I was like, what the hell is this? I saw a, a normal body sized white woman in the seat and I was like, Bleh. and then she opened her mouth. This is the best part. I'm sitting there already wanting to go, wishing my shirt would just close while I sat in the back of the room. And she said, hi, my name's so-and-so, and I'm an anorexic. And I, it's the opposite of my problem. But here's the funny thing. Two minutes, three minutes, she told her story, and it was mine. Right? The disease, the manifestation, the way it, the way it manifests itself was different. But the spiritual malady was the same.
the allergy of the body was the same. The obsession of the mind was the same. And I had the same thing, right? Couldn't find another Mexican in the room. Couldn't even find another Latino in the room. I lucked out and found a guy. <laughs> a couple guys took me in. And it was the first time where I said out loud the disturbing things that I'd done with food. And instead of like ridicule or gross faces, like, oh God, what are you doing? It was the first time I had said that out loud and people nodded. Well, yeah, of course, Lewis. Why wouldn't you do that? Have you tried it this way? And then I was desperate enough to... Uh, desperate enough to take a hand that was offered to me. I had never accepted help before. Just if I had, it was thrust upon me. Um, same as Ken, I, 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 uh, my parents came here from Mexico, the city of Puebla specifically. Shout out to my Puebla people if you're here. <laughs> and it was funny, we grew up in a Puerto Rican neighborhood in the city of Chicago, one of the most segregated cities in, in the United States. And what's funny about Chicago is that, you know, if you're Puerto Rican, you live on the north side of the city. If you're Mexican, you live on the south side. If you're black, you live on the west side. If you're, you know, Jewish, you live on the Gold Coast. If you live, you know, uh, uh, you know whatever, you just, you, you, everyone's got their little cutout. Ukrainians even have a little piece of the pie where they live. And um, yeah, I couldn't be picky, unfortunately, when I walked into these rooms. I couldn't. Because the jig was up. I knew that if I continued on this path, I would die. And here's the crappy part. This is a killing disease. In five years, I've watched two men die from this disease. Two men. And let me tell you how selfish and self-centered I am. I forgot about the first guy until the second guy died. This disease loves for me to forget. Really loves for me to forget. So like I was saying, I, I got in with a group of guys because already in a sea of addicts, right? Food addicts, we're here, we're here in this small little island. Even smaller than that, right, are men. Even smaller than that, Latino. You know, even smaller than that, probably Asian, right? Every, every smaller than that, da, 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 da. like we can cut this pie up a thousand different ways. And the identification is great, right? I love, I love that I can talk to, to, to other Latinos, you know, thanks to Zoom, right? What a blessing Zoom's been last year and a half. 
thank God that I've gotten a chance to carry the message and he and receive the message from fellows all over the world. I love that when I go to, you know, I sat on a Polish meeting once because a friend was speaking, you know, who knew God grant me the serenity sounded, you know, pretty, pretty much the same in, in, in Polish, <laughs> you know, like, I love that I can go to Italian meetings, right, and receive and carry the message. I'm so incredibly grateful for this program that someone, you know, and here's the funny thing, a guy, thank God, but a white guy was willing to say, hey, do you want some help? Because all this 12-step stuff sounded foreign to me, right? Resentment sounded foreign to me. You know, higher power sounded foreign to me. All of it sounded so, I didn't understand. It didn't make sense to me. Five minutes. Holy crap. That went by really fast. Thank you. Uh, you know, so I worked these steps as are outlined in the big book. And I'll say this, me getting over the hump with my higher power was slow, right? Today I have a higher power that's mine. It's not the one I necessarily grew up with, but I still got to clean up the mess and resentment that I had towards that higher power too. And that's only by the grace of God in this program. Um, one of the things that I love to share is from page 124 of the big book. And it's one of the main reasons that I even say yes to, to, to doing panels or anything like that is because page 124, it says, showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us right now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. So take advantage of Zoom today while we can. Take advantage of Zoom. Carry that message right? We are the message. Receive that message. And like, you know, I'm just going to keep shouting out Ken, Ken, you know, starting up, right? Like, like, let's, let's not, let's not, let's not wait to be served, right? Let's serve our community. I hope there's another Latino here that can see me here and go, holy shit, this is possible for me. I'm not special. I would love to tell you that I'm the chosen one, that I'm the golden child, that I'm the smartest, that I cracked this code and I figured it out. You know, the big book's just a manual that someone showed me how to work, right? It's the blueprint for my life today. So please save your life today. Work these steps because your life depends on it and be willing to carry the message to others who still suffer in and out of these rooms. I'm just gonna read one last thing. And it's one, one of my, it's my favorite passage, right? In the big book. And I'll, I'll do this quick. Page 510, it's from the story Gutter Bravado. The meetings gave me what my sponsor likes to call one of the most important words in the big book. AA put the we in my life. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. I no longer had to be alone. Fellowship and activity kept me coming back long enough to work the 12 steps. 
the more I did, the better I felt. And there's more. I, I really encourage you to read the rest of the page because I'm running out of time. I really encourage you to read that. But there's nothing in this program you have to do alone. There's nothing you have to do alone. I used to practice my disease in all my affairs. And today I get to carry these principles in all my affairs. And that's, that's the, the entire thing from appendix two, right? That spiritual experience. So I'm grateful to see all your faces. I'm so incredibly grateful. It makes me so proud and happy to see the, the diversity in this room today. Reach out, my number's in my little box. Um, and uh, I think that's all I've got. Thanks for letting me share.